Welcome to Audible Brutality. Two grouchy musicians humorously complaining about the state of music today. Featuring Adam Percy and Tim Vandevan. Take it away, Adam and Tim. Hey everybody, this is Tim. We're going to jump straight into our interview with Bridget Deitcher. No topics, no nothing, all Bridget, all day long. Gratuitous Interview. Bridget Deitcher, also, also known as Briga, is at her roots a creator and a tastemaker based in Montreal, Canada. Not only is she an incredible violinist, she is also a multi-instrumentalist, a vocalist, a composer, a producer, contributing musical score for film, advertising, games, and television. She is a recipient of the Stingray Rising Star Award, as well as a nominee at the Juno, Canadian Folk Music, and Quebec's A-Disc Awards. The songs for her musical project Briga cover a broad base of styles and modes, some instrumental, others with lyrics written in French and English. However, all are accompanied by her fervent violin firmly rooted in Eastern European and Romani folk sounds, giving her music both a familiar but also a haunted quality. Her sound can only be described as a Balkan Quebecois mashup delivered with a turbo folk edge, wrapped up in heavy grooves that drive her wailing violin and sweet voice. It's modern and traditional, colliding in a beautiful way. Briga's work includes five albums since 2009, Diaspora, Turbo Folk Stories, Wake, Femme, and most recently, Territoire, along with numerous performances across Canada, the United States, Europe, and North, North Africa. We really appreciate that Br Bridget took the time for us to chat on our humble podcast, and without further ado, we'd like to welcome her to the show. Hello, Bridget. Oh, hi. Wow. Thank you. That's a really <laughs> amazing introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, hi. hey, no problem. Super no happy problem. to chat with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're really happy to have you. You can use that on your website if you like, too. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. <laughs> hi, guys. So, um... <laughs> Hi. Um, so, uh, speaking of the website, uh, I actually read on your site that when you were a kid, your father would play Eastern European Romani folk songs on the piano. And I guess, I think you said to, to get you and your siblings to sleep. Um, can you give us a little bit more about your family's musical roots and how maybe that got you started on, on your path as a musician? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, music was... Uh, in the household from the, the day I was born. My, my father played the piano, the violin, and it was just kind of part of the the whole sort of uh, setup at home. And I one of my first memories, besides my dad playing the piano, the moment he put us to bed, then he'd go and sit at the piano and play. One of my uh, first memories was, uh, I think we're like three, or, I was three or four years old. Um, my, my, I have two siblings, a younger brother and a younger sister, and we're all about a year and a half apart. So, so let's say I was five, my brother was four, and my sister probably at this point was like two or, or almost three. 
um, let's say two. And my mom used to put uh, like uh, vinyl on, but she would put like classical music. So like Beethoven, like the symphonies, Beethoven symphonies. And, and then we move over to like uh, magic, the magic uh, forest. You know, uh, I think it's Mozart. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, mm-hmm. And and then mm-hmm. you know, and then there was uh, Peter and the Wolf and all that stuff. So she would like oh. in the afternoon when we were about to take naps, um, she would lay us on the floor and and in the living room and then put that the vinyl on in stereo and we would just listen to like you know the full on works of these like great masters and we would just fall asleep to that in the daytime so i think uh, beethoven's ninth i, I played it once <laughs> in the orchestra and it's about 75 minutes long so just imagine like yeah, being yeah it's a it's a bit of a piece yeah so be, imagine being a kid and <laughs> and and you're like uh, yeah you that's just normal <laughs> you just you know um and so yeah so classical music uh, all types of music you know it was classical in the afternoon and it was my dad with his folk songs in the evening on the piano um uh, that was just sort of that's what we we lived and swam in and we didn't listen to popular radio or anything like that it was always cbc uh cbc radio um and it was always the classical channel like in alberta i don't remember which one in calgary what if it's channel five i don't remember anymore but you know it was it was in the car when my mom would drive us to school and uh i remember um my first exposure to to like actual like pop music or like music on the radio was when I was 10 years old uh, I, I went to school and, and you know I was starting to realize I wasn't really cool <laughs> because I listened to like classical music and stuff like that and all these kids would be like yeah did you did you just hear that new Corey Hart song you know like sunglasses or like Tiff- <laughs> or like uh, or like Tiffany um, I think we're alone now you know <laughs> like, yeah, which, yeah, nice. <laughs> if I remember correctly but uh, so I was like what are these kids talking about why am I not in the loop I mean I'm you know I'm like I'm so into music <laughs> that's all I do is play music <laughs> sleep to music you know and so I remember getting this like little Walkman from my parents for a birthday gift and I remember uh like AM 106 in Calgary it was like the pop uh, the pop radio so uh I remember like forcing myself to listen to this crunchy noisy shit <laughs> I was like, I was like, this, what the fuck is this? I mean, it wasn't in my vocabulary, but I was just like, I remember I had this little snobism. I was like, what is this terrible music? And, you know, and just like really wanting so much to fit in with the other kids that I was just forcing myself to like swim in their culture, which wasn't my culture. And then, you know, eventually, I mean, you know, I just assimilated it and it became an, an ex, you know, another part of my vocabulary, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm not so embarrassed about it anymore, but to, to think that, you know, I had sheltered life for the first 10 years in regards to music and culture is pretty funny, you know, and that kids, you know, a lot of kids grow up to a completely different setting, you know, but I'm very grateful for it. I, you know what yeah. though? Mm-hmm. Tim and I, I think actually, uh, I think Tim would agree with this as well, is that we, you know, we, I think we probably had a fairly similar upbringing to kind of what you describe. And I, I don't know if like how many American listeners we have, but I, you know, I know that like CBC, you mentioned CBC, that was such a huge part of our life. And yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, even growing up and, 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 you know, CBC was, was always center in our home as well. Like we never... I I know for myself I was kind of the same. I never really got it. I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to popular music. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah. So you're not, you're, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all kind of nerds. For me, the, we've talked about this before on, on this podcast, but I started uh, in conservatory piano. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be Schroeder from Peanuts. I wanted to oh. only play Beethoven. Yeah. I only wanted to do that sort of thing. So, you know, when my friends were like, oh, you got to check out this Kiss record. I'm like, that's dumb, you know? And then <laughs> eventually I caved and I became a fan of Kiss. But uh, then, and then after that, I was like, oh, now I want to play drums. And, you know, I think it took up until last year for my mom to forgive me. So <laughs> I'm joking, mom. I'm joking. I'm joking. The, the, the piano lessons went to a good place. But, she never forgave. But that's never. it. But, which actually, it leads me since the conservatory. I know that you were, but I know because I'm, uh, okay, time for <laughs> we, Tim well, to Well, we played together. We worked together. We've been that's calling. right. I play, yeah. I got to play with Bridget. That's how, that's how lucky I am. Oh, stop um, it. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, I'll actually, stop. I have a story. I, I have a story about you that I love. We were on our way to Toronto to play the Toronto Jazz Festival with a band that we oh, were both yeah. in at the time. Yeah. And I remember, so yeah. we're listening to like all the FM stations on the way down. And then Cashmere by Led Zeppelin came on. And I said, please, for the love of God, do not change the fucking station. I love this song. <laughs> Me too. And everybody's like, everybody was like, oh, it's so dumb, this song. And I just remember you piping up saying, oh, my God, this song's brilliant. And then like, the people in the front turn around and go, why? Why is it brilliant? And you said, they're playing four over three. The yeah. drummer's playing four and the band <laughs> is playing in three. And everybody went, what? And it's like... Tim's dumb Zeppelin is actually good, you what? know. So, and I just, I, I just remember that being like, yeah, see, yeah, Bridget gets it, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a brilliant. It is a brilliant song, you know. It's like, it's brilliant. Anyways, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so catchy. <laughs> but but talking about violin and when you you started in, did you start in conservatory? Did you start with a teacher? Did your parents say, "Here's Miss, you know, Miss, break your fingers if you get the wrong note, violin teacher"? <laughs> yeah. How did pretty- how did how did how did you get there? Yeah, it was pretty much that. So my father um, is from, was from is from Poland, and um, mm-hmm. obviously in Europe, the music, musical education is not so much a privilege as a as a must. And so he mm. he had done right. the conservatory when he was a kid during the communist times, and he had this you know communist upbringing, which was very you know very like like competitive and and, and harsh and like demanding and and discipline. So for him, it was like without a question that his children w- would go to the conservatory as well. And I think that's why you know that like they were making us lie down in, yeah, at such a young age before sleeping and listening to full-on symphonies. I think that it's a, it's a very Polish and Russian thing to do. You know, you, you hear these stories, mm-hmm. especially in the 70s, right. where um, uh, Russian families who saw that their children, like their babies might, or hoped that their babies might be able to excel in gymnastics would be like, you know, hanging the babies in, in, in like um, these little cots in high, you know, like, to, to, uh, like in high places to try to help them develop a less fear of heights or or you know like it's like it's kind of like the education of a child uh mm-hmm. in regards to like the notion of of excelling and and being that top two percentile is like very p- a big part of the culture and 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 so so my my father was from that side my, my mother um came from a very poor uh f- family in 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 uh in quebec uh, in a vi- poor village called uh, um squatec it's a tiny little village and you know um and so she she didn't it was a completely different mentality and and for her music lessons were kind of like a 
something that the upper classes did, and it was a little bit like uh, frivolous and and not. At, at first, she wasn't convinced. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but my father, you know, so when I was four, right. when I was four, my father was like, "No, we're we're sending her to the Royal Conservatorium of Music. He, there's a Romanian." teacher, you know, <laughs> going to st stick with the comms, communists, you know, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I was in the, you know, I started my lessons with, uh, Katarina Gregorio, that was her name. She was an amazing teacher, an amazing woman. Um, and, uh, my brother, and my sister followed along once that they came to the age of four, that they too started studying with her and it was very regimented. It was like, I remember there was two classes a week. I was four years old. There was two classes a week. The first one was, uh, uh, because we were too tiny for uh, the smallest violins, um, we, mm -hmm. they took Cracker Jack boxes and then they, they, we stuck a 30 centimeter ruler on the Cracker Jack box and covered it up and then drew F holes on it. And, 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 and then <laughs> with another ruler. So then we were practicing for six months before we were even allowed to touch a real violin. We were practicing proper, uh, form, proper, proper stance, proper holding of the instrument. Um, um, you know, uh, we say in French, éveil musical. So proper, wow. proper, mm -hmm. uh, basics of like being able to clap your hands to the rhythm, learning about, you know, two, four, three, four, 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 um, as well as learning about notes like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, Do. So, so that, that was mm -hmm. like one class and the other class was private lessons, um, with the violin teacher, um, maybe plucking strings, but not being allowed to play uh, the instrument yet. And then at one point, after six months, I remember we were allowed to uh, open up the Cracker Jack boxes and get a real violin. So we had treats and we had a real violin. It was like the next level for us. It was super duper exciting. But yeah, it was like, it, it was always two classes a week. Um, it also meant too that, you know, most of my childhood was spent, um, uh, I would wake up around five in the morning and I would practice two hours before going to school. And then I would come home from school and I wasn't allowed to play with my friends till I practiced another two hours. And by then it was dinner time. So then mm -hmm. after practicing, right. so that was like four hours a day every day. Um, with Saturday mornings uh, at uh, theory and uh, ear training uh, courses that would take up, they, they went from nine till noon. So it was, it was basically, it, it was the, you know, the real deal. It was basically like, uh, you excel or you, you, you're nothing, you know? So that was, hmm. that was the upbringing I had till, um, I, I went through my teenage crisis. Uh, I decided to, to stop. <laughs> I, I said, I'm not doing this anymore at the age of uh, 14. Um, and the reason I had said stop was because I loved music, but I felt the sickness in the institution. So you know, we would mm -hmm. have like these guests come in from Europe. And I remember one of them was called Dr. Elsa. And uh, at the time, you know, we had these master classes. Um, and right. by this point, I was maybe eight or nine years old. And I was very blasé. I didn't care. I wasn't like sucking up to the teachers. I had a little chip on my shoulder. <laughs> and I remember like playing. I wasn't practicing enough. And I was playing, you know, this piece, that piece. And I had the opportunity, the actual privilege and honor to uh, Dr. Elsa had decided to grace me with one of her private lessons and everyone kept saying, oh. you know, wow, you're so lucky. She's, you know, amazing. And, and I remember being like very whatevs about it. And I was like eight or nine and I just, <laughs> you know, going into the lesson and being like whatever and playing. She literally slapped me in the face and said, what is this Suzuki Holy. shit? 
<laughs> and I remember. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, stuff like that would happen, right? And and back then, it was just like, well, suck it up. <laughs> it's kind of like the nuns, you know? Yeah, if you're talking about the 70s, that's exactly how it was. It was, you know, getting wrapped on the knuckles if because, you, you know, you don't have your hands the right way on the piano, in my case. Yeah. Or have, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. you're not standing up straight. Your fingers aren't curled yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you think now? Like in, in hindsight, like obviously like, you know, getting slapped around is definitely not the, the <laughs> good thing when it comes to learning music. I think it's pretty, <laughs> it'd be off-putting for a lot of kids, but like you were required to have a lot of discipline, um, which I guess is kind of hard for younger kids. But at the same time, when you're a kid, you know, you're growing and you, you grow into the instrument, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. in hindsight, is a, you know, now now that we're not, you know, mopey teenagers anymore. <laughs> Some of us. Is a, it, it, is, it, was, a, was that discipline in the end a, a benefit for you, do you think? or For me, I think it was a good thing. I have to contextualize it because I don't want to be telling people that I support um, abusive teaching behaviors. Okay, because that is that, sure, that is a of form course. of physical yeah. abuse, you know. Um, you you heard it here first, folks. Bridget supports <laughs> slapping kids around. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I think uh, given my personality type, I mean, I didn't know this back then, but I know it now. I guess at the end of the day, I'm a fighter. I'm extremely competitive whether I want to right. like be acknowledge it or not. Um, I'm extremely driven. I'm extremely mm-hmm. ambitious and I'm extremely good at playing the long game. Why am I so good at playing the long game? Well, I think it's because, yeah, I had this like really, really, really regimented uh, training. It's like, it's almost, I don't know, it's, it's like very regimented, highly competitive, specialized training. And, and I think that um, it, yes, it taught me discipline. I mean, it definitely did. Like the music taught me discipline. It also taught me how to organize my ideas, how to also be able to acknowledge that an environment is not conducive to my Full potential, but to also understand I have a secret garden and that the external will not mm. affect my internal. I was I, I learned that I could be strong and I could have different opinions from my teachers, but I knew that when I was in the, that space, I had to behave a certain way. There was a code of conduct. There's a, there were expectations, and there were uh, there was the question of accountability. I also learned how to take accountability, you know? Uh, Dr. Elsa, uh, she shouldn't have slapped me around, but she called me on my shit. She basically said, why are you not practicing? And, you know, and I would lie to her, like I would lie to other teachers and I would say, yeah, I practiced. And everyone would say, you're full of shit, you didn't practice. And it's very true. It's absolutely true. You know, like I'm not going to support how she dealt with it, but at the end of the day, no one ever did something for no reason.
it's so easy these days to be an expert at something. And it's just a question of you standing up on a soapbox and shouting out to everybody, hey, I'm an expert now, you know? Yeah. Let me I, can, I can I can I can say that you are an expert because I have played with you. So <laughs> I just wanted to say that again that I've played with you. So there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, speaking of studio, we should we should talk about uh, your newest album. Oh, Territoire. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, do I do I mangle that with my really bad like you know, West West Coast English Territoire? No, I like it. Um, you make it sound like even rougher around the edges. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it, it, it sounds exotic when you say it, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, it just sounds like um, a word when I say it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. it sounds legible when Tim says it. Um, but, <laughs> Sorry, that's good. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I, I actually downloaded off of uh, Bandcamp, Bandcamp yeah. where I think you Thank have you. all your albums, right? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah, no, thanks it's, for the support. It's it's awesome. I, I the big thing that I sort of took away from it, and I kind of mentioned it in the intro, is it's a uh, it's a super great combination of 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 what sounds like very traditional, mm-hmm. but also lots of modern. And you know, you were mentioning when you were a kid, you know, like you didn't really sort of get that exposure to the modern music. But I hear a lot of um, like really cool sort of modern elements in there. Uh, and we sort of talked a bit about the you know your 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 sort of more uh, roots folk upbringing. Um, what about the what about the more modern sounds that you have going on in there? Um, mm-hmm. Like, did you have a a writing and production process to get those two things to kind of collide? I, I hear things like um, some of the modern stuff kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh, a little bit of Tanya Tagak. It's not like a comparison, but mm-hmm. definitely a little more experimental, electronic. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, what it, where where did you sort of go when you were making that record? What were you what were your goals on that? Mm, um, well, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, definitely, I mean, you, you capture the um, essence of the album. Um, it's the idea of like a form of like folk, uh, personal folk identity and trying to sort of come to terms with that in a modern world. Um, so yeah. the album... Uh, I started writing the album in um, in Germany in two, in May 2018, and it was it, you know usually uh, how to put it my four previous previous albums I literally wrote them in like a month like like it's like it's like I would sit there with an idea and I would just all I would just vomit it out it would all come out then I would like call all the musicians. You know, you have to pay musicians for rehearsals. I had to be so efficient. So then, you know, I would like get them all together right. and like and track it all and and then and, and book the studio and then record it. And it would like the whole process would happen within a maximum three months. And like people would be like, "What? It's done?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, it's done." But uh, Territoire was the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it was the opposite. Territoire was like it was born apprehensively in Dachau, Germany, where I was at the time. I was doing a one-month um, artist residency in the city of Dachau, Germany, which uh, yeah. was a city where you, you it was after, um, during the Second World War, um, you had Auschwitz, um, which was the, the, the biggest uh, concentration camp during the Holocaust, and the second largest was Dachau. And, and so yeah. I was doing a lot of trips to the memorial site. I was walking around on the grounds of this... Um, Def, now defunct 
not defunct, but um, uh, you know, no longer a concentration camp. It's a museum. And I was at the time. I was my intention was not to make a Briga album. At the time, I was just wandering around and I was trying to sort of capture the essence and, and write music. Um, and I had no idea where it was going to go. I didn't even know what I was doing there. It was just like uh, kind of like a creative free fall. And um, anyways, I came back to Canada uh, pretty uh, messed up from the experience and uh, had sort of considered all, all of the work that I had written uh, in, in Dachau, Germany as kind of lost. I was just like, kind of like, like I had to sort of disconnect. Um, at the same time, uh, so now we're like, you know, summertime 2018, I, I had been picked up by uh, a, a music production agency in New York City called 64 Music. And they right. specialize mostly in creating uh, music for advertising and, and so uh, and, and advertising like, you know, advertising for like brands like, you know, Adidas, Mercedes, Nike, um, uh, like uh, the, the AAA stuff um, in the States. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge market and, and there's a lot of zeros in there. And, and they found me. I was really lucky they found me uh, through the La Hacienda Studios, which is a studio here in Montreal. Um, that I, I, I'm like a sort of ionic uh, particle or atom uh, of, of that studio. Hmm. I'm not necessarily part of the studio, but I get called in to help out with string arrangements. Uh, the leader is Brian Oliveira, and, and uh, I've been working, you know, in and out with them for like since 2000, 2016. Anyway, so... So I is, started doing, uh, sorry, 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 sorry yeah. to interrupt. Is that yeah. is that the site of the old Studio Victor? Is that the same room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we're okay. at right now. Yeah, and nice. That's a lot of. Uh, that's a beautiful uh, room. Pretty cool, and I guess we'll get into that. We do a lot of music for games and all that stuff. But to to come back to sixty four music, um, so I started writing advertising music, and and it's just well. If you really want to have a pulse on what's mainstream and what's modern and what's really happening in the now or in the future, yes. and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, music for advertising is where it's at, right? That's the coolest, freshest, yeah. most hippest stuff you're gonna you're gonna hear, and it's as in in that moment as it becomes out two days later, you know. So, so I entered this game where I was, you know, asked to 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 sort of copy this style, copy that style, and I, I was so disenchanted with my experience in Dachau, I was so like PTSD'd about it that like I was yeah. so game to just lose myself in other people's styles, you know? And it was, I mean, I was like doing uh, techno, I was doing like, uh, you know, uh, shoe shoegaze, uh, uh, I was just doing uh, neoclassical, I was doing anything that nobody has ever heard Briga do. And what was really super exciting is that I was doing it and I was being told I was good at it and it was like I was given an outlet to be the 20 other people I knew I could be but that no one would ever let me be in the past hmm. you know right. and and it interesting. was yeah and it was just it was the escapism I needed to, to get to, to to be able to take a distance from my 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 failed uh, artist residency and to sort of you know at the same time i was going through i was just going through this i guess this midlife crisis where i was just like why am i still you know doing this you know as a musician as a composer like like there was a lot going on there was a lot going on in my head in regards mm -hmm. to to you know you just get to a point in your life where you're just like i'm so done with this and and anyways yes. so so that was all happening and and then 
you know, like for example, uh, if you know, talking about territoire, the third track on territoire is called Cirque, it's and uh, Ibiza is called, and you know, um, basically that song was originally a one-minute song because in ad world it's. 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Sometimes it's 90, but yeah. it's very rare. <laughs> and I had done, they wanted, I was in competition with this UK uh, dubstep DJ guy, who, by the way, is like amazing. And and I'm not going to say that I, I can do dubstep, but I was trying to do dubstep. Um, I lost the bid, of course, he won, because he specializes in that. But I ended up with a piece that I actually quite liked, and I didn't necessarily want to throw it in the garbage, but I didn't know where to put it. And... Um, I had a conversation with Tamar Ilana, um, who's a, a flamenco artist that I've already collaborated with in my previous album, uh, Femme. Um, and I told Tamar, I sent her the track because I know Tamar used to uh, live in Ibiza. And I thought, I, I wanted, I told her, listen, is this the kind of stuff you used to listen to in the club in Ibiza? So I sent her the track and she called me and she said, Oh my God! Like, and this now we're talking. We're fast forwarding to like June 2020 when, or May 2020 when everyone's in full lockdown and people are really missing traveling. Yeah. And you know, and she was just like, "Oh my God, th- why aren't you making a full album like this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a stretch considering <laughs> I can't just do a full U-turn <laughs> in my career, you know, <laughs> just start doing club music. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work." And I said to her, Tamar, I. I really see you in this piece, like telling a story and I don't know, we lead up to us entering the club, which is when my music comes in. How would you feel about writing a monologue? But I don't want your monologue to be any longer than a minute, a minute and a half, because we need to segue into the right. music, you know, and, and, you know, it just happens so naturally. She, she said to me, I'm so inspired, you know, hung up the phone by like two hours later, she had done something. And it was like totally perfect. I said, okay, that's great. Can you go in the studio? Can you get a microphone? Is there a way you can like find a way to just record it better than on your phone? Um, but if not, it's okay. I'll work with it. She's like, yep. She recorded it with this like SM57 that she found in the basement of, I don't know whose house, <laughs> like directly. I don't know what she, what she did, but it was like, she just recorded it. There's a lot of noise. We had to RX the shit out of it, but anyways, <laughs> but, you know, and, and it became it became uh, a, a you know just underneath three minutes long. It became I personally one of my favorite songs. It, I, um, yeah, it, it just became a piece. I ended up sort of uh, dressing her vocals with like bed tracks to support her. Um, you know, adding extra right. delay and echo for to underline the specific words that. Um, in her storytelling that were absolutely necessary to come out that would lead up to 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 then you know this like um synth line coming in and then full-on like hardcore four to the floor banger you know like this like you know yeah so it was like a landscape we created a, a story together and and it, yeah it just came to life so easily it was such a I pleasure think it- that 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 tra- I think we're thinking of the same track. At at one point, there's full on like these these this whooping noise, yeah, whoop, whoop, whoop kind of thing going on, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? It was like, and it, and it was it was this it, it like the album does kind of start in this sort of progression up to that point, and you're just sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we're walking into a club. I get it. Okay, that's awesome. Like, yeah, like you, you can you can see the the bouncing people and the you know the crazy disco lights going on and stuff. It's Awesome. It was so cool. J'avais 14 ans. Non connaissait à nadie. 
Dentro de poco me mostraron todo. Cumanas, las puestas del sol y los rincones más perdidos de la isla que nadie conoce. Dalvila, Portinacho, escanar las dalias, sus pellezas, los clubs más grandes del mundo. Aprendí a conducir con mi hermano las cuevas, formentera, todo. Casi lloro. ¿Cómo te echo de menos? Como si yo había perdido algo allá. Un trozo de mi corazón, ¿es eso? Yo mi corazón Te quiero, Elisa, te amo. Je t'aime. The sea, as aguas, la arena, l'île. The sea, as aguas, la arena, la mer. The sea, as aguas, la arena, l'eau. The sea, as aguas, la arena, les montagnes. The sea, as aguas, la arena, l'île. The sea, as aguas, la arena, Ibiza. necessarily like pigeonhole things but like some of it kind of reminded me a little bit of like uh, i don't know if you know the artist tricky yeah a little bit oh of yeah tricky. oh yeah 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 um, definitely yeah you know there some good hip-hop elements in there yeah hip-hop and trap there's hip-hop and trap like uh i was listening to gucci main for a while i was going through a gucci main phase right. and and uh like Lipa, which is, uh, it starts off with my, a recording of me playing the violin in the, in, in, in a forest in Germany. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then from there it, it, it warps into a Toronto singer, Evelina Ferenc, a Polish Toronto singer, uh, singing a Polish song that my father used to play on the piano during my childhood. And then all of a sudden I'm wow. like dropping like 808 bass and we got like that, that trap like yeah. at the top. And it was just, so it, it, it Yeah, it, it's it's those influences are there for sure, you know. And and for example, Arrivé, um, if everyone's like kind of wondering at this point, what does Dahao have to do with this? Well, like Arrivé, the first song is actually a recycled melody from from Dahao. Um, I just was like, it's a very beautiful melody, and I'm I'm going to recycle this, and I'm going to add some 808 bass, and it's just be violin with like full on reverb, like delay, and then let's bring in the the fucking fat bass, and let's just like 
Like it's <laughs> like a drop the bass, like you're dropping a bomb, and it's just like like not literally. <laughs> I mean, but you know, it was yeah. just like yeah. yeah, it's a bit dangerous. Anyways, but yeah, it was like the idea of contrasting something light and airy, like the violin, and something like cold and hard and and grounding, like the ground or the stone of the earth, you know. And it was just kind of like the idea of stretching upwards and stretching downwards at the same time. If your spirit were to soar as high as your the weight of like cement shoes could keep your feet on the ground it's just like that kind of contrast so so yeah mm-hmm. it's primal it's yeah. very primal Visceral, I, I, yeah. like uh, for our listener out there like <laughs> go to go go check it out to see what we mean and it like it, it definitely has like a, a at its heart a really sort of primal core that I, I i know for myself i definitely appreciate it i thought it was great i can safely say i think it's probably one of my top 10 albums of 2020 for sure no thank you so i would say too like with with you bridget my experiences with you uh, again i'm mentioning that i played with you um i've i've also seen you perform with other acts and I, i've always found that you're sort you're like a musical sponge in a sense that mm. you've always been able to not just repeat what what the what the idiom of the music is like the first time i saw you play you were doing sort of a a country vibe yeah. uh, with, with a singer songwriter in montreal yeah, and it's yeah. like oh, you know but you know Bridget is not a fiddle player, but she, she sounds she's playing authentically and sounding authentic in this material. And then I was in a project with you for a while that was something else. And you were, again, authentic. And I remember you in the studio where they didn't have parts written. They're like, oh, well, your strings would be cool here. And you're like, hang on. And you're like, and you write some stuff down. You're like, how about this? And they're like, I'll be back. And you go and you record you recorded your part and it sounded great. And then I see you and I saw you in uh, the early incarnation of the project that you're doing now, the Briga project. Yeah. I remember seeing you a couple yeah. of times and just like how compl- it was all different. It was never like you, you couldn't really the only straight line between all of these projects that I saw you in was you. Yeah. And each time and each time I found that you were it was authentic. It wasn't that, oh, well, this time she's doing her electronic record and this time it's her country record. Now she's going back to her roots and this is her knockoff of Beethoven. None of it was ever like, you know, you know, you sometimes see artists that that do that sort of thing and you kind of yawn and you're like, "Okay, I saw that coming on 10 years ago, blah blah blah." But no, mm-hmm. I've all I was always impressed with how you were able to not just play the part but like mm-hmm. be the part in the way that you play oh, so thank you hey, thank you <laughs> hats off hats off to you thank you <laughs> so so let, okay now en- enough of the the fluffing and saying nice things okay so let's get nerdy let's get nerdy yes. let's get so, down and dirty nerdy man <laughs> nerdy 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 so okay obviously you play the violin we've talked about that a lot what else do you play and what else do you like to play that isn't the violin you know, as, do you have another instrument that you love to just sit down and noodle with? And, you know, like, do you play drums, for instance? Or, like, are you, like, a, a crazy keyboard player or something? Or, or, or if we want to get extra techie, oh, do you have, like, uh, do you have a, a, a particular uh, plug-in or sound bundle that you like? Oh, okay, with your DAW. Okay, okay I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to answer both questions in 30 seconds. No, I'm kidding. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> All right. first off, uh, I... I uh, I've always enjoyed, even from like early childhood, like um, enjoy playing different instruments. I used to win competitions when I was a kid 
and it, I would make money and then I would go buy instruments. So um, when I was a kid, I, you know, I, awesome. I bought a flute, a piccolo, an accordion, a guitar. Um, we had a piano at home. So all that stuff, like it, the, the cool thing about our home was that you, you, my parents never said anything. It's just like, oh, she wants to play this now. She wants to play that. You know, violin's a primary instrument, but look at her. She's just, whatever. She's figuring it out on her own. That's great, you know. Um, currently, right now, if we fast forward to my current life, I... I uh, um, I just, I just, uh, I'm, about, I'm about to finish uh, working on a uh, documentary with the National Film Board of, of Canada, um, which is oh awesome, yeah, which is uh, it's a francophone thing, but it's it's uh, basically uh, about uh, feminism amongst uh, Muslim women, which is really really cool. Hmm. It's a uh, super enlightening. Uh, it tries to undo the sort of Islamophobia that exists currently right now. In, in, especially in Quebec, uh, but you know, uh, around the world, mm-hmm. um, demystifies like the idea of like that uh, um, a Muslim woman isn't just like you know uh, in a cage or or at the service of, of of patriarchy. That Muslim women are well just as free as any other um, secular uh, woman. Uh, you know, anyways, that feminism and mm. and being, uh, anyways, so b- b- that feminism can coexist with uh, one's relationship with Islam. Anyways, so thanks to that, I, I managed to get a, a piano. I bought myself a piano um, thanks to that gig. Oh, fantastic! And and because you know, even though I grew up playing the piano, um, you know, I've spent the last gazillion years uh, not around a piano, and it's um, I do have. I'm going to now coincide this with my studio. I do have a Depfer LMK4+, Plus, which is like a killer uh, MIDI Sweet. controller uh, synth from 1993, which is a full 88-key piano, but it just wasn't the same yeah. playing that as playing this piano mm-hmm. that I have now. Um, so, yeah, I play I play uh, any instrument I can get my hand on that I can make a decent sound with. Uh, I can play, and it's a pleasure right now to be um, just re- uh, uh, I, I'm calling it rehabilitating my piano skills because I, 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 I was at about a grade 8 or grade 9 level with the Royal Conservatory when I was uh, maybe 15. And then, you know, you don't play for a while, so you kind of get rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, on my wish list, I have been saying this for the last 15 years, I want to be a drummer. And yet, you know what? I still don't <laughs> have a drum kit. I still I have sticks and, like, you know, um, books to, like, solidify your quarter note um, exercises, but you know what? I am, I've been saying it for 15 years, one, five, 15 years. And I still, I'm ashamed. I don't have a drum kit yet. I don't even have an electronic kit. I was looking into an electronic kit or something. Um, but no, right now when I play drums, I do it through my, my depth fur and, and that's just a little bit lame. Uh, in regards to my audio setup. So, um, all my work that I deliver for like, you know, AAA projects, uh, all projects like top of the line, what I make a living with, this is my secret, so like I'm gonna share with you my secret. So uh, it's a very simple setup. First and foremost, I have Universal Audio's Apollo Twin Quad, which is a tiny, nice. yeah, tiny portable uh, sound card, um, which uh, only has two XLR inputs. I just want to make that clear. Um, it has one uh, quarter inch, quarter inch uh, like direct uh, DI for guitar on the front side. Um, yeah, that's it. It's, it's really your most basic, but very powerful. It's very powerful that I've got all the UAD plugins, which is wonderful. And, uh, then I have a laptop. Basically I have a MacBook uh, pro, uh, it's a 2019 Mm -hmm. MacBook pro. I do all my magic on that so that, you know, I plug in my sound card to that. Um, I have my 
for any sort of MIDI related stuff, uh, I have my controller that I told you guys about, which is the uh, that for LMK4 Plus, which the beauty of that is that I, I wanted, to, people were like, that's overkill. I'm like, it's not overkill because when you start doing orchestration, you need to have that yes. full eight octave range to start visualizing. I can separate, I can divide the, the keyboard into like eight different octaves and I can start, you know, playing MIDI for tubas and trombones, which are one range versus like altos, mm -hmm. you know, versus strings versus flutes, you know, and, and so it's just absolutely it's really important, I find, when you're orchestrating, it's really important to, to have the knowledge of piano playing. Um, playing mm -hmm. the piano is like probably, to me, in my opinion, it is the most quintessential tool and knowledge you're going to have in regards to constructing harmonic structures and being able to place instruments in different, um, you know, hertz ranges, right? From like low end mm -hmm. to mid yeah. lows to, you know, mids to, you know, mid mid highs you know and to highs you know so th that's why i got the depth for because i was like i need that full 88 keys and i can you know hold out to get the piano later but the depth for is going to be able to sort of visually guide me even though i have you know melodies in my head ideas in my head it's it's just so important to be able to when you're orchestrating something at one point you need to clean out some mess that you may have made because you realize oh, wait a minute the bassoon and the trombone and the tuba are kind of like all occupying the same range and they're playing three different things. This doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're clean mm -hmm. up this mess, yeah. you know, like because or else the low mids are going to get cluttered. Um, anyways, you know, so there's that. So and now let's talk about uh, uh, microphones. So given my setup, I, have a, I work in a very tiny room um, and uh, I have access to some pretty amazing uh, microphones that I could borrow which I can't, can't afford right now. So what I did is I went with a copy of, <laughs> of the Neumann U6, U87. I went with, it's, it's mm -hmm. warm audio. It's a, it's a, it's basically a copy. So it's like a, uh, it's like a $800 version of a $6,000 mic. Okay. So we all know that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I'm not working with the best, but I'll tell you something. If you close mic it and you EQ your, your raw, if you need to EQ your, your raw, your raw recording i mean that's all you need you know i i it's worked for what i'm doing i i want to also specify that um being a a, a newer producer I, I do work with an additive approach and not a subtractive approach so i want to for anybody who's been in the audio scene for at least 15 to 20 years or more uh, these, right. these people come with you know you you have a proper mic and a proper space, and you place the, place the mic specifically to the space and to the pattern and to the instrument, and you're gonna subtract from there. You're not gonna add anything, right? You're gonna subtract mm -hmm. and clean right. out what's unnecessary. Um, so I don't come from that school, um, not because I disagree with it. Uh, to the contrary, I, I think it's, it's the analog influence and it's absolutely necessary, but it's just that given my tools and what I'm stuck working with, with the limited budget that I have, because I'm, my studio is growing as the years go on, but you know, let's be realistic. I can't gas, that gas is gear acquisition syndrome. I can't gas too much <laughs> and then fall into debt because I have to pay the bills, you know? So yeah. with the limited setup that I have, I've positioned myself and through the help of like sound engineer friends and, 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 and experts who um, give me counsel um, to work with my sticks, my, my toothpicks and my 
my popsicle sticks to make, you know, beautiful homes because it is possible. <laughs> it, it is possible. It's not, you know, it it's, it's not the size, right? It's how you use it. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you say so yeah um, but well but, i mean to, to your to further your point back in the day we well we talked about cashmere earlier on in this yeah. recording mm-hmm. um that's recorded in a house and that's go. recorded with a mobile studio sitting outside and nobody says yeah. oh my god what board did they run that through oh yeah. it sounds no. awful no but everybody just says holy cow what a great sounding recording yeah. that is yeah and so the same the same thing with the same thing with your stuff is that it you know like i've always the, like the guys the always guys it's always guys <laughs> but the guys on the internet forums that are saying stuff like oh man i would never put that in my microphone chain that's like all talk and no action. That's the way I well, see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like can you can you actually hear her her preamp in this recording? No. 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 Okay. Yeah. Then shut up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you like the song? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Does it sound good? Yeah. When you turn it up, does it get noisy and fall apart? No. Does it still sound professional? Yeah. Well then again, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think it's uh, I think when you're when you're building uh your own personal studio. Okay, I think you need to think of the ecosystem, and and, and not mm. focus on the individual gear. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you an example. So so I'm working with one mono mic, right? One mono channel. It's not mm-hmm. stereo. It's mono. It's one microphone. You know, it's not a stereo pair. <laughs> you know, yeah, my microphone can do omni and cardioid and figure eight. But honestly, I set it up in cardioid because there's uh, a tiny crack in the wall and you can hear the traffic. So I put the blind spot of the cardioid towards that corner of the traffic so that <laughs> it doesn't pick Smart. up, you know? No, it's just like really basic, you know, stuff, right? So so anyways, I, I've also traveled. I did a Nike commercial in an attic in Vancouver because I was had been shipped off to Vancouver to record for Jeff Berner's album. And I got called oh, in to do a Nike commercial and I did not want mm-hmm. to miss the opportunity and so by day, I was tracking for Mr. Jeff Burner. And by night, I was in someone's attic with like my, again, my Apollo, uh, my, my Apollo twin quad and I, with my laptop. And I was just recording vocals in, in somebody's attic, you know. And it was just like, if you had seen the setup, I mean, people would be like, she's not, you know, what is she doing uh, producing work? or pitching for for Nike that's insane you should be doing that in the RCA studios or whatever but it's it's like you know in this day and age it's really about mm. you know back to the ecosystem so so uh i have a colleague um La Hacienda, you know, we have access to like $10,000 mics, $15,000 mics. And at one point he said to me, you know, you can always borrow this, you know, Schweppes studio pair, you know, these beautiful Russian microphones from the 1970s, like that you use to record, you know, the BBC uh, orchestra, you know, like, like, and the sound is so crystal clear and Drop dead gorgeous, and I refused. Very good for recording American embassy. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I flat out re- refused because I was like, "Can you imagine bring this into my leaky, noisy room with all the low frequencies coming in from the trucks yeah. driving by? Mm. Like, 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 no, it's it's not going to work in this ecosystem. If I had a soundproof room, if I had a room that was well treated, and I didn't have to do close miking, and I didn't have to add, mm. I could just have the privilege of subtracting. Then yes, I would want these microphones." Because these microphones, you cannot juxtapos- juxtaposition microphones. These microphones were made for a specific room, a room that yeah. you know what I mean. It's not made for 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 a tiny little room with carpet in you know uh, somewhere over there. So so 
and now I'm going to fast forward to the other ex uh, extreme of the spectrum where, you know, for example, when I go to the La Hacienda studios and we're working with the Josephson C700, which is like a three capsule, like beast of a microphone that I literally have wet dreams about. Like, to, uh, I swear, <laughs> if, I, if, if I had 10 grand, I like that's, that's my next purchase, but I, there's no point for me to even gas over that because I could yeah. never use the Joe yeah. in that tiny room. You know, I would have to get the proper room afterwards. It's like the, the guy who buys the Lamborghini and lives in a shitty little bungalow in like the East end. I don't get it. Like how does that work? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't that's get it. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your Lamborghini. You're living in Anjou and yeah! you know, <laughs> Sorry. The, 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 yeah, and the roads are garbage. So it's like, well, what do you want to do? Take your car out there and destroy your car driving up and down the road? Or I guess you'll just park it, right? And so. the poor thing's never going to see the autobahn. The, the poor thing's That's never going to be driven past 120 kilometers per hour. The poor thing is like not living yeah. to its full potential. Or if you try to make it live to its full potential, the potholes in Quebec are going to destroy it because it's a low, you know. Uh, anyways, yeah. so it's the same thing with, with coming back to your 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 DAW slash studio slash microphone ecosystem. You need to be realistic. Like, what can my computer handle? What kind of sound card mm -hmm. do I have? And and does the room, is this a room where if the room sounds so good, I'm miking in the room? Or is it a situation where the room has no personality or is pretty dead and I'm miking the instrument, therefore yeah. I need to use an additive approach, you know, using mm -hmm. universal audio plugins or whatever. So now you know my, my answer, um, Adam, is... Uh, Basically, I'm on uh. the universal audio plugins right now because I, I have the, the chance to um, have access to them. You know, they're amazing. Nice, they're really nice. nice, actually. Yeah. lot of score work then too right like so yeah. you, you do advertising but you also do like video games it, yeah. it sounds like you're doing film and stuff like that what are sort of the core differences between writing you know an album like Territoire and, and writing for say something like a, a video game or for a film I, I know these are all sort of different but what's sort of your approach on those um yeah so each uh, medium requires a, a different um mindset and a different approach um, I'm going to generally clump it into two categories. The first is linear music. So linear music would apply to making a, a studio album like Territoire or uh, right. composing music to image like a film or even a television show. That's linear. There's a linearity because there's obviously there's a sequential order 
chronolo chronologically things are happening in a certain way. It doesn't mean you're going to actually approach scoring the film or the album um, in order. You might, you know, do the intro and the outro and then do bit, bits and pieces in the middle. That's kind of, you know, that's right now currently my approach with this documentary with, for the NFB that I'm doing. It's like I, I focus on the intro and the outro and then at one point we had this, this character so I focused right. on her and that was like, let's say, uh, you know, 35 minutes in then there's this other character at five minutes in that you know so you can score quote unquote non-linearly to quote unquote linear music okay but it's still linear yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that makes sense it's still it's still when the viewer's going to come and watch it everyone's going to be passively listening and passively watching right and and soaking it in in a specific chronological manner from beginning to end and the beginning and the end and everything in between never changes so that that's one approach and then you have uh scoring to um interactive media interactive media being uh well video games primarily um yeah. vr um uh, or you know like walk through vr walkthroughs or or whatnot and interactive media the approach to scoring to interactive media is very 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 different um um, because first off, like if you're looking at, at let's say like um, AAA games, like uh, I was uh, assisting um, a composer in writing for uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, AAA game that came out in tw oh, cool. 2018, um, and and really like there was two approaches to it. You had you had the cinematics, which is a form of linear right. composition, because let's say a cinematic is five minutes long and it's a story. It's I would. Claim linear composition is is basically storytelling from beginning right. to end. Um, so cinematics are one thing, but then you would have gameplay music, and gameplay music um, is is an abstraction of that linearity in the sense that every single player who's going to play that part of the game is not is going to have a completely different experience because and and there's going to be no linearity to that experience you know someone might solve right. a problem here and get through the level at like 30 seconds someone else could spend 5 hours at that level banging their heads against the wall and and so how right. how do you let's say game that gameplay section let's say in theory the average time it takes to get through that level let's say it takes somebody on average 5 minutes okay and that's kind of yeah. long, but let's say it's a let's say it's a five minute piece. That's a bit long. Let's say it's a two minute piece. That's kind of more common. How do you score something that's two minutes long that never sounds the same? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. How do you, how do you how do you approach that? You can't. How does oh, well, like how the hell does that even work? So so we get into concepts of multi layering um, and implementation of audio. So it's the idea that let's say that let's say it's a fight scene. Okay. And let's say first you walk into the room and there's nobody to fight. So let's say you would have a base layer, a base layer of like, just like the, you have to score a, gro a drone or something. And, and it's a base layer of like background music. That's not necessarily very, um, audible to the player or noticeable. That's another thing. It has to be pretty subtle. It has to sort of blend in with the general sound design and sound pool of or aesthetics of the situation um in uh, riot games leagues of legend they call it like skins like different skins so there's different um right you know so mm -hmm. it's like a different different aesthetics for different characters and for different environments right and so everything has to 
bit, right? So you have this like background layer. And then let's say when you start getting close to danger, but you don't even know that you're close to danger, you could hear that do 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 you know, like 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 an action, like an action film where mm-hmm. there might be this like like you know, like a the typical like dotted quarter, dotted quarter, uh, quarter, you know? Mm-hmm. That's it, you know? So so let's say you have that happening, but that has to blend in nicely with the background that you ha- you you did, right? So now you're like you're doing multiple layering. And let's say at one point the um the monster comes out that you have to fight. So you might then have to track a stinger and but it can't be always the same stinger. And a stinger is like a three second like uh sample of a noise or again something that fits within the, the skin of that situation, like a doo or a whatever, you know, it could be anything. But let's let's just say it's a, a sound that would uh, signify to the player, yeah, the shit's gonna go down. Here it is, you know. So so right. then you might have to score ten stingers so that there's variety because there's a randomization happening in the implementation in the container. So then you have ten stingers somewhere in that two minutes of music, but they're not necessarily related to the music. Let's say you have like four layers of music because then after that you have to enter the fighting. So we're onto the third layer with this fighting, but it's like not not like intense fighting like you're going to win or intense fighting like you're going to lose, right? Then you have a fourth layer where let's say right. you get to like oh my god you're beating you're beating the bad guy. So that might be like a layer that goes in a certain direction like uh, uh, tonally, and then let's say the fifth layer could be tonally going in another direction, and then you might have another stinger when you get when you get like stabbed and you start losing energy you know you might get a, like right. a stinger so 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 all of a sudden in two minutes of music you're looking at about it could be five to ten layers of 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 gameplay music and then you would have like another let's say ten layers per stinger how many stingers are there and all this stuff is like see the way i see it is i mean your your best approach is to sort of uh take put on the the Put yourself in the mindset of the sound designer. I think awesome. I, I think the message for our listener is stay in school, take your music <laughs> lessons, and and keep working, keep and practice for the love of God. <laughs> practice. You're not just yeah, because you're not just going to be able to just say that you play guitar one day and suddenly have all these great gaming opportunities drop into your lap. So. Everybody, yeah. go back to your instruments and start practicing. Oh, at the end of the show, not now, not I, now. So. I also, um, <laughs> I want to add to this public service announcement. <laughs> I also want to. <laughs> Please I, do. I, wa- <laughs> I also want to add that it's. Um, I'm still learning. Like it's. I think it's important to always come from a place of being humble and wanting to learn. Like, yeah, I have a lot to offer, but like for example, even though I'm not uh, a sound designer and I'm not necessarily avidly looking for work as a sound designer i i went and and i went to the school of video game audio it's an online school and i, I went and learned uh wise and and wise is like middleware it's mm. implementation software and it was by studying wise that i i i learned well it, it changes the way you think and 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 which is absolutely necessary especially when you want to get work in in the gaming industry you cannot as a composer walk in writing scores for musicians and expect it to work it just doesn't work that way you know it's it's like right. it's more about coding and programming and it's really it's it's like a, a form of like engineering and and you know like and when i say engineering i mean there's not just audio engineering but obviously computer engineering that's what i'm talking about and uh, currently right now i'm doing my 
course in Unity. Unity is uh, the, you have Unreal Engine and you have Unity. The engines. Yeah, the yeah. engines. And like right now, I'm dabbling. I'm going to say dabbling because learning is a, is a big word. Uh, I'm dabbling in in coding in C sharp and learning to code so that I can create random containers for footsteps and wow. sounds. But I'll be honest with you, like I. I struggle a lot with it. I think it's really hard. And obviously, I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to imagine that I would have the confidence one day to be able to walk into a room and say, yeah, I can code in C sharp. I, I, I don't think that's my life path, I'll be honest with you. But I think it's so important that I learn to understand how the people I could potentially be working with, like what they do. Like if I'm working mm -hmm. with someone who would be specialized in audio implementation through WISE or if they're working with through Unreal or like, or for example, you can use WISE in Unity, you know, you can bring one software into another and, and like your, like the game engines and, and I mean, in AAA games, generally speaking, you don't, you wouldn't go to that point, but, but it's, I think it's just, it really changed the way that I saw and understand and continue to process how to implement music and audio in interactive media because it's just not at all the same beast. And so, yeah, I think it's important to always look to learn when you have a chance, mm -hmm. like for sure, you know. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Can I can I read it? Actually, I, I, with you talking about this, I, I, this is not specifically about video games, but we can just bring it back. Uh, sure. There's, there's this quote. I, I, I read this book recently that I got for Christmas called Analog Days. Oh, cool. Um, I've heard about it. It's great, actually. And, and it, 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 the cover basically says it's about, you know, Moog synthesizers, but it actually talks a lot about uh, sort of the evolution of, of uh, how music changed with a synthesizer. And I think video games in a lot of ways are, are you know with things like score and you know you mentioned going from 8-bit to now you know interactive and ever-changing scores like uh you know i don't know if you know the the, the electronic composer susan Chiani. Um, uh no but, uh, but how do you spell she's, that she's sort she was sort of like a, a big pioneer of, of synthesis and and one of the things that like she basically almost single-handedly founded new age music wow <laughs> okay yeah, like she was awesome, but uh, one of the things she kept on running into was was you know the fact that she's a woman with this giant Buchla mod modular synthesizer going into recording studios in the seventies, and one of the things she said was like, uh, "quote Men uh, always had something to prove. The guys could tell you where to EQ the foot or the snare, or where to boost the mid range for the trumpet. You know, they had all the answers." And here was something that had no precedent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you, like, really we're sort of in a situation where this is hopefully starting to change, where, where you know, that, that, you know, women are finding more space, not just as, like, singer-songwriters or musicians, but, you know, at the mixing desk or, or making video game score. Do you, do you think that's changing or, or are you still experiencing a lot of sort of issues? Are you experiencing issues that maybe like are, you know, that, that are sort of coming up with this still? Like, is there, is there, are there still gender issues in music? And if so, how do we fix that? That's a big, broad, scary question. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I had to ask. So. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I think, um, I think as long as there's gender, there will always be gender issues. 
It, yeah. Uh, whether we have the best of intentions or not, I think that's just inevitable in the human spectrum of things. Um, but to answer more specifically your question as to now, um, I am blown away by the movement I see very much, well, in the United States and in Canada, of um, agencies looking to promote right now female composers, female musicians, uh, BIPOC composers, you know, BIPOC mm -hmm. musicians. Mm -hmm. They're right now, like in within the system, there's a huge because thanks to the BLM movement, thanks to the Me Too movement in the last couple of years, I would say thanks to the pandemic. Honestly, I think it, the pandemic has given people time to face their own issues and think about stuff that they would normally not think about. Mm. Um, hmm. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of suffering because of the pandemic too, but I, I just, I mean, I'm talking about people in positions of privilege. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I see it. I see it, for example, with my agency in New York City. Um, the reason why they picked me up, uh, 64 Music, was because in 2018, that was the Me Too movement that was happening. I had just released the FEMME album, F-E-M-M-E, FEMME, Femme Woman in mm -hmm. French, and they found me through La Hacienda Creative, and I, they brought me on board they, as a female composer. And for the year of 2019, they really, really pushed me and a couple other female composers. That's the reason why I had the opportunity to score or pitch to Nike, score and pitch for Mercedes. Now, I didn't get the pitches. like the, I didn't get the bids, okay? But I was given the opportunity to like mm -hmm. you know right. push for it and i was coming you know for nike it was a second place okay second place you know some people might argue it's it, you know you can't even put that on a cv it doesn't matter i was given an opportunity and i was and i'm well maybe i've been in a cage for too long but i'm so grateful to have been given that opportunity you know and that that doesn't stop i i i, I um I had a couple people reach out this week to me a couple people in music licensing um and in in film uh, work, reach out to me saying, hey, your name is circulated. We're looking to represent more female composers. Would you be interested? So once again, I, I, I am being, I, I personally, I see the, the change happening from mm -hmm. the top down. I mm -hmm. see that the, the in, within the system, people who are in positions of power, you know, are, are, are making an effort to give women uh, these opportunities. Um, that being said, I think, I don't know if you guys knew this, but, you know, in the Oscars, uh, this year, only 3% of Oscar nominees were women and in, a, in the yeah. composers. And, and this mm -hmm. is less, this is less than the year, last year, I think it was 5% and the year before it was four. So there's been a lot of, uh, oh. there's been a lot of griping about that, a lot of disappointment, a lot of people saying, hey, by the way, that 3%, was it all white women? You know, so, so look, like, uh, I'm glad that people are speaking out, and I think it's really, really important. I we're right now. I consider myself fortunate that at what I consider to be the peak of my career, and where I feel like I have so much potential to grow even more. I feel like I'm being given the chance to 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 spread out and to 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 stretch out, no matter whether I win the bid or I don't. Um, Territoire would not have happened. The music. The music you hear on Territoire, I would have never been able to deliver stuff with such, like, risk and and um, heavy influences of modern 
married with folk, if it wasn't for 64 mm. Music giving me the opportunities to lend an ear to what music is being used in advertisement, you know, like hmm. th I have to tell you guys, that was a big influence on my, my personal work. It's not because I'm trying to sell out to the man. It was more that there was a lot of really fascinating music out there that I really quite liked that's, you know, mainstream. And, and suddenly I was given an opportunity mm. to, to, to create it on my DAW. And then I was, saw I could recreate it on my DAW. And it gave me mm. confidence to then try to appropriate these modern influences into my own personal secret garden of sounds. And, and, and you, you know, Territoire came out of, of that. So I do think that I see the efforts being made um, from one side. And I just hope that the people who are hiring, like it's one thing to represent female artists on your roster, but then the people in power who are hiring, are they, are they considering your roster of female artists? That's the next echelon, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know about those people. I don't know if they're making the effort or not, but I, I mean, listen, if we had this conversation five years ago, 10 years ago, I would be telling, I would not be telling you this. I would be telling you, yeah, it sucks to be a woman in this industry. Um, I have mm -hmm. my coping mechanisms, you know, and, and I'm doing good, but yeah, you got to be really tough skinned. And then it brings me back to my classical training. Let's keep making them, making them doors opened. Okay. So for that here I, in this show. I, I, I got I got something for you, Bridget. We'll 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 switch gears a little bit here and mm -hmm. go slightly lighter. So ah. yes, what's what? Because Adam's the heavy dark guy. He's so yeah. sad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't. The problem is I didn't even notice. So what does that say about me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm joking about that. We've we've brought we when we've spoken with Caroline Brooks before. We spoke about some of these issues and the, the obstacles she's encountered and um, mm -hmm. some of the things that she's run into. And it's, it's a similar, similar story with you. You both have worked very hard to be where you are. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, let's, let's, let's just switch gears here for a sec, if you don't mind. Sure. And what's, what's on Bridget's turntable right now? What, 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 what's like knocking you over? What's new? Old? What am I listening to? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's, what's the music that, you know, Okay, you got to run off to the Dep to go get a bottle of that really, really sexy Dep wine, you know, that we all love in Quebec, and get your, you know, and let's go with the full cliche. You're getting a baguette and some Cretan at the same time, so you're on your way down to the Dep. You're like, I got to put some earbuds in. I want to listen to something because you know, because Montreal, uh, Montreal is constant construction. What's on your, what's on the machine that's playing the songs in your ears? What songs uh, are on there? So, so that's a. You're not the first nor the last to ask such a question. Um, I started creating some playlists on my Spotify account um, for people to to enjoy what I'm currently listening to um, mm -hmm. that might relate a bit. Uh, it's, you know, obviously in promotion of the album, but it's actually... Uh, so if you, like, okay, I'm just going to plug myself before uh, I tell you what I'm Do listening it. to. If you uh, look up Briga and then write Territoire, because if you write just Briga, you'll end up on a hip Italian hip-hop artist. That's not me. I mean, maybe it'll be me in five years whenever <laughs> I decide. No, but I'm kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, so so you can go there and then you can check out my playlist. So um, I'm going to just quickly go through my Territoire playlist, which is on my Spotify. Um, 
For example, I'm really digging Azealia Banks. Um, so she had this big hit that came out. It's called 212. It came out 10 years ago. It's such a fucking banger. It's such a fucking banger. Mm. I cannot even like hold myself from swearing. It's so goddamn go- good that I could just listen to that <laughs> tune all the time. I'm, I'm a very obsessive listening listener. When I find songs I like, I just like I loop them. Another one is uh, uh, now we're moving to a, an artist from France or Belgium. Her name is Iso. Uh, Y-S-E-U-L-T. She has an album called Car. Car is in the body in French, which is spelled C-O-R-P-S. And her first song, which is Car. Sorry, I just pressed play and it was playing. It's just, it's, you know what? (laughs) She's like this, like, uh, I don't know if she's Congolese or what, I don't know what uh, origins on the continent of Africa she's from, like her family. But um, she... She's like this, like Belgian French version of Adele, but like just mm. better. Whoa. I mean, I love Adele. Don't take me wrong, but anyways, she's just amazing, and she's got this beautiful voice. Anyway, so she's—I just discovered her uh, last week. Um, I've also been through phases where I listened to Riff Cohen. She's an Israeli artist, um, and she's got quite a few albums under her belt. She collaborated with uh, Enrico Macias, and so you, you know it's completely different aesthetic. I—I I, I don't necessarily listen to genres. I just listen to what tr- triggers my visceral sense. What you know gives me mm. um, the how do you say the goosebumps. So so I don't care. Uh, uh, there's no consistency in regards to style. So if anybody listening is like, whoa, she just went from like full on techno banger to like Adele ish to like Israeli music. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, another artist that I discovered through uh, the advertising world who's just amazing because you would never ever associate her with advertising. Her name is uh, formerly known as Twigs, FKA Twigs. She's a British. That's twigs yeah she's just amazing she you know her last year she came out with the album um uh yeah madeline and uh, it came out in the fall of 20 uh, 2019 and uh pretty much got you know blocked by covid in the sense that she probably was supposed to tour the world with this album um and probably right. you know got stuck in lockdown but just you know, she's a, another producer. She pr- writes her tracks, produces her tracks, and then sings them. And she collab. I don't know. Just check out her Instagram. She's just so interesting, and her collaborators are. She's really like for me. She's a representation of like underground London music right now. Like whatever that mm-hmm. means. You know what I mean? Like, okay, super duper rando. Like one song, my favorite song. So thanks to my uh, sound engineer, I discovered Spirit Box. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into metal, oh, cool. like growl metal, and like Rule of Nines <laughs> is like such a good tune. <laughs> so That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've been listening to to Spirit Box, Rule of Nines, like quite a bit. I really, really love Sophia Nolan. I think Sophia Sophia Nolan is one of the most amazing singer songwriters right now. I feel really mm-hmm. bad for Sophia. She just had another encounter with some pretty heavy duty Islamophobia and like um and anti um like a lot of like anti Arab sentiment in Quebec. Uh she was taking no. a cor- yeah, she was taking a, a course at UCAM and apparently some of the students on the Zoom started like trashing her in front of the whole class. She was like literally bullied um she went public with it. It's really quite terrible. Um and yet, you know, like for no reason for no reason Mm -hmm. she's just amazing she's like she's 
the, I don't know. I don't know what to say. She's just amazing. Her music's amazing. As a human being, she's amazing. Uh, uh, a woman that she, I don't know if she still partners with, but that I know they, they were together for a while. Pum. Pum is a French singer-songwriter. Okay. Um, okay. And I really like Pum's work as well. Oh, and I'm just looking at my playlist. Uh, let's not forget the most amazing beat maker of the century, Jay Dilla. I love uh. Jay Dilla's beats. <laughs> I, I got to tell you guys, Excellent. like if there's like it's like it's like uh, playing drums. If there's two things that I feel like I'll never be worthy enough, but I need to learn, it's beat making and playing drums. I, <laughs> I adulate Jay Dilla, and I adulate all drummers out there because they have this magic that I I can only dream of having. But then I apparently I have the same thing in string arrangements. So there you go. You win some, you lose well, some. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. It, hey, all, well, it all balances out in the end. <laughs> it's not yeah. that hard to be a drummer, Bridget. It's just all, all you have to do is hit things and say, hey, man, that's music, right? Oh, my so God. It's... I wish. I, come on. Groove. No, no, groove no, no. is something, man. Groove is something. Well, I, it, I think, yeah, the groove and feel of a good drummer is something that's rather important. Yeah. And it's frequently frequently misunderstood by guys that are looking at drums, especially guys. Because I, I really don't hear women saying, oh, man, that guy plays so fast you know i usually hear guys talking about talking about drums in the the sporting realm you know well he's a better drummer because he's faster you know so yes have you have you what other what other quebecois music do you have on there that you could uh, get our listener um, into because I, th- I, really, I think what you should do i think you yeah. should share your playlist with us so that we can put it on our site my link to my spotify is on my instagram so if you look up at briga music b-r-i-g-a-m-u-s-i-c um i have a link to my spotify uh, uh page and you can just click there and and, and find my playlist um, nice. But uh, but Clopel uh, Gag is another one. I, I have another playlist. I have the female artists playlist. Let me just find mm-hmm. it. I don't know where it went. Um, so you've got? Would you have like someone like Charlotte Calday in there? Or yeah, uh, actually, I yeah. Well, actually, I don't have Charlotte Calday in there, but I actually quite like her. Um, I just mm-hmm. uh, she didn't make it in there for now. But um, Clopel Gag. Uh, uh, it doesn't help mm-hmm. that I'm biased because I play. I've played in her orchestra, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like you know, but uh, other Quebecois artists. Um, um, yeah, wait, I'm gonna get her name. She's uh, how about really cool. how about a band like the Cowboy Fringa? Do well, you, you know what's you know what's funny? I I've never necessarily I I didn't think I was a fan of theirs. And check this out, my stepdaughter, she's 17. She's a big 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 fan of uh, Cowboy mm-hmm. Fringa. And did you know that they just did uh, they just released a. Um, pay-per-view like a, you, you know you you you, mm-hmm. you you buy tickets to a live show that they they filmed right like the pandemic right. style okay and so she she we, we bought tickets um to, you know for f- as an event a family event we bought tickets um you know my partner and i we were just like yeah yeah we're doing this to make her happy right like and we'll sit down mm-hmm. and watch the music you know maybe at that time in my mind's eye i was like yeah they're not re- it's not really like I very much respect them. They're an institution in Quebec, but I, I didn't necessarily have the heart on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But what's really funny is like we sat down and watched this like uh, 60 minute show, or maybe it was 75 minute. It was amazing. It mm-hmm. was. It, I don't oh. know if you guys know what show I'm talking about, but basically, you know what they did. It was. Uh, it was so well done. I mean, of course they have a machine behind them, but but so they picked their their best of. Uh, from like, because they've been around for 25 years, so they picked. Let's yeah. say they picked like 12 good tunes, 12 of their top top tunes. Okay, and then you had 
12, they filmed it throughout 2020, throughout the COVID year. Mm-hmm. They went right. and they went to different regions in Quebec um, and it's in different seasons. So they started off in the spring, like let's say three songs in the spring, three songs in the summer, like literally three mm-hmm. songs in the fall and even like two songs in the winter. Um, and then they released it like I think December 25th or something like Christmas time they released it. So they had time to film, you know, the winter stuff. And they basically uh, had like a full on like setup, like like a stage setup, but outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. In different settings. And it was recorded live with like, you know, a makeshift PA system, you know, in, in the woods, like whatever, like one scene is in an abandoned village. Another one's in a campground. There's another scene like, like, you know, um, out on the street, on the, like on the road, some highway in the middle of nowhere in Quebec. Anyways, it was so awesome. And their performance was so, because I mean, come on, they've been together forever, right? Their performance mm-hmm. was so good. Like, I, I couldn't sit here and be like, whatevs. Like, I was just like, wow, I'm rediscovering. So I, th- I, I took this band for granted. I, I was like, you know, whatever. And here I am listening and I'm like, yeah, I can totally understand why they're so uh, appreciated, you know? And, and then another mm-hmm. part of me thought about, like, it's a shame that they, they never really had the inkling to leave Quebec. But at the same time, it made me sort of happy to be here in Quebec and made me see all these beautiful sceneries and them performing in, in different setups. And honestly, it was the most interesting live band online show I've seen up to date. Because otherwise, people in bedrooms, like, you know, turning on the camera and filming, and it's almost a little bit... Um, uh, uh, depressing to see w- w- where live music has gone to, you know, given its limited means right now. So I felt like mm-hmm, the Cowboy right. Fringant, they g- it gave me hope. I was like, wow, you can make something interesting. I mean, yeah, they have a machine that was that budget. It was it was not a shoestring budget. It was like a no, full no, on, no. But but again, you know. it's it's again though. It's not them just taking their pre-recorded song and miming to it. You know, it's not yeah. them shooting another video of the same song. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that was, uh, that was pretty great. That's, they, they have, a, I, I, I have respect for them as well. Um, you know, I think they, I think they work hard. So, and, oh, and, and they're great at what like, they do, right? They have their sound. They know their sound. They, they mm-hmm. have that niche and they do a really good job. Yeah, for sure. Bridget, thank you so much for doing this with a couple of schlub musicians like Adam and I. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Super appreciated your time. Thank oh, you very much for thanks. coming yeah. on. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Seriously, I had a wonderful time talking with you guys uh, about all these wonderful things. So, it's my pleasure. Seriously. And I think as the old, as the old French Canadian expression goes, I'm going to go to bed smarter tonight because of this. So. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, just, uh, just so everyone knows that Bridget's uh, uh, material is uh, uh, up on Spotify uh, uh, under Briga. Just look up Briga Territoire. Again, I'm mangling that. I know it. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, her latest album is really awesome. We definitely recommend you check it out again, uh, Bridget. Thanks so much again for for taking the time with us. Uh, We really appreciate it. You rule, Bridget. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Audible Brutality is presented by Adam Percy and Tim Vandeven and recorded remotely on Denman Island, British Columbia and in St. Jerome, Quebec. Music submissions or general inquiries can be made through our website at audiblebrutality.com. 
Give us a like on Facebook or Instagram. And of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Audible Brutality Podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening.